This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Lord, today we want to thank you for the time that we can spend together. We want to thank you that we have the opportunity to praise you, to worship you, and to bow before you and give our lives to you. And today I want to pray that you will be with us, that you will be the one talking to us all, and that we will open our hearts to what you want to say to us. Amen. got a little bit of, of homework for the people in our church. Well, actually, I can give it to everybody that's here today. If you look at that picture, and I want, I want you to think what you expect of me, what, what I'm going to say today. We did it once in our small group, which was actually very good after the Wednesday, after the, the Sunday sermon, we had a short discussion of um, I think it was Yaku who had this flames and whatever on, on, the, on his introduction picture and to listen to everybody's different expectations of what they thought, what we thought he's going to share and what came out of that. And it's wonderful to, to just let your mind go and think, what do you expect? What do you expect of today? Are you here to, to come and listen to a lot of words, or are you coming to listen to God, what God wants to tell you? And as I'm standing in front, I'm in the same situation. God is speaking to me. I think everybody that has ever preached will tell you that you speak more to yourself than you speak to the people in the church. Because a lot of this that I'm sharing is not that I'm there. It's not that I know all. I think there's only one person on the face of the earth that ever can say he knew it all and he was there. We are growing to that, but we're not there. We, we sang this morning, and Philip mentioned that as well, there's no greater thing than knowing Jesus. And that's what I want us to focus on today. If you, whatever I'm dealing, think about what... What is my focus? Where is my focus? What is important to me? The second slide I have there is a brief idea of what we live in today. And that is only a couple, I, I spend about five to ten minutes writing down a couple of things that I could think of, and that, that's a little bit of a mess. Many people, I think, if you're like me, you won't be able to read it because it's too small, but the, those of you that's got good eyes, you can still read that, or some of it. But that's in our faith every day. That's the world we live in. That's what we have to deal with. I can, after I wrote this down, there were one or two things that came to my mind. And if you look at that word briefly, you will see that it's quite interesting to me that most of that is negative things. But there are also a lot of, there are some positive things in that. If you think you're driving every day, you see the billboards, you see things that you drive past. 
the billboards will tell you, invest in this and you will become so happy and so rich and all of that. And there are a lot, a lot more. I'm only thinking of that as an example. Then we, we think of, who's, who's actually putting that in our face? Who rules the world? There are a couple of scriptures, and I, I put them down there, which says, which refers to Satan as the ruler, ruler of this world. We know it's not the total truth, because we know God is in command, always has been. But the reality is, we're facing another force. And my question to myself when I, when I read this was, do, am I aware of the battle I am in? Am I aware of struggles? Am I aware of things that I do wrong? Am I aware of the things that in my faith that draws my attention from what, where it needs to be? Namely what we sang earlier today, Jesus. A couple of months ago, I think it was about a year ago, we listened to Vanessa Goersen's testimony. I don't know, I think many of you know who Vanessa Goersen was. And the one thing she mentioned, and you can go and buy a video or get the video somewhere about her testimony. And the one thing I, I think all of us will remember is the statement that she made, and she said, are we fools for Jesus? Do we really know, do I really know what it means to be a fool for Jesus? How often in a day can I experience that people think I am a fool, but not a fool for myself, a fool for Jesus? Am I committed? Am I really committed in my relationship to God to say that people, they can tell me I'm a fool for Jesus, it doesn't matter. And then I want, I, I want just to show you two slides that, 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 all of that, that we see every day. The world we live in, part of that, and some of it we don't want to look at. Am I right? If you look at that two top slides, we actually don't want to see it. Some of us might come out of that. Some of us go there often to go and reach out to that people. And then we've got the bottom slides. The total opposite, and we've got both of that in our country. The second slide. My question to myself is, what is my education or my job say to me, who am I? We, we come from a background, and I'll talk a little bit about my own background just to tell you where I come from and what I went through and what I had to learn. But we come from different backgrounds, all of us. Some, some might be not that big difference, but we all have different backgrounds that we come from. My question when I look at all of this, on the left-hand side, left-bottom side is a, is a picture of a tradesman working in a workshop. What is a guy with a degree more worth than a guy sweeping the floors? 
sweeping the streets. As human beings, as people in this earth, we tend to put a value to where we come from and what job you do and what qualification you have. What makes the difference between never me and some other people? Because I can't point fingers. I can never point fingers. But the guy that might be sitting next to me in the goud train on my work to Joburg on the morning, or the one that meets me in the office, or the one that sits in front of my, in my class when I'm a lecturer, what makes a difference between me and that person? My education, my background, no. Do I know Jesus? That is the only difference. Myself and Philip had a, a short word before the time, and we're talking about the values we have up front. And I specifically wanted the one, and Philip also wanted that, the way that the one on the left-hand side. A passion for Jesus. Do I have a passion for Jesus? And I need to ask myself that every day. Have I ever thought in my life that God didn't know what he was doing when he created me. Or, he doesn't know what he's doing now, because look at the mess, look at our politics, the state capture, the, the crime, the murders, the, go all over the world. Look at the celebrities. How many of them, so the last, I've just looked at the a st statistic from the United States, or Medical Association or something, and it's scary to see how many of those people died because of an overdose or some kind of thing about drugs. Why? Because mainly they don't know Jesus. I won't say it will not happen to you when you know Jesus because you can have a, some kind of problem and it can happen. But most of that. And most of our own issues become, comes from a point where I can say, I didn't listen to Jesus, Jesus or I did not really believe in what he's saying. Do I believe this is the word of God, the living word of God? This can change my life. If I read it, if I study. Two or three weeks ago, Philip mentioned the importance of studying this. I think... There's, there's nothing more important on earth than to study that and to live according to that. The question that I often ask myself is, I sit in the church, I listen to a message, and it's great and wonderful, and I'm positive this, is a, this was a wonderful message, and I go out, and a week later I ask myself, did it change my life? We are too afraid to change. We are too afraid to, to leave things that's comfortable for us, that makes us feel we are happy with where we are. I remember many years ago, we, we, sat, we were in a, a church, and the minister had a, had, had a, gave the whole church a challenge. And a year later, exactly a year later, he got into the pulpit and he said, last year, a year ago, we preached about this and we shared this, and what have you done about it, any of us? 
What do I do with the scripture I read? Every morning, the time I spend with God, the time I spend with my brothers and sisters, the time I'm listening to sermons. If I can share a little bit about myself. My next slide was that I have these. In this world, how do I find myself? All the things that I mentioned is in my face all the time. I'm I'm just watching the clock there because I can carry on forever if I start talking on this. It's much easier to focus on what I see and what I feel every day that comes, that's in my face. And we all know the scripture, or I hope all of us know the scripture that say, well, I'm going to, to translate it very freely, Satan has got no ethics. It's in the scripture. He will do, he, he walks around and he's trying to pull everyone he can in any way he can to, to join him in hell. That's what he wants to do. And we fall for that. Even we as Christians, we sometimes don't do the things we're not, we're disobedient. Disobedient is equal to sin. If you read John 3, the whole, the whole chapter, you'll see John 3 verse 16, we all know. But read the last verse. Disobedience is equal to disbelief. If you're, did I say disobedient? Um, yeah, if you're not obedient to God, it actually means you're not believing. One of the Hebrew words for sin is to miss the target. And what is our target? And that will come out in the scripture that I'm going to read a little bit later. Our target is to follow Jesus, to become like Jesus. Some of you might remember a while ago I I mentioned something that John Bevere wrote about him really concerned, reading, thinking about what he's doing like a typical man. Don't read the instructions. Just do what you go. Go on. And at the end of the time, you find out you're in the wrong place or a wrong position and you're not going to get the results. So you need to go back to the manual. And he said, he doesn't want that to happen with him when he comes to the end of his life. The Bible is our manual. To have a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing we can do. The, the book's name that that, that um, part came out is um, is it Focus on Eternity? Who read the book? Driven by Eternity. Driven by Eternity. The time we spend on earth is so little. It's not a blink of an eye. But yet, we strive for having that castles, we strive for having the best um, career. It's not wrong to do that. It's, it's wrong. I think it's wrong to strive for that. It's not wrong to have it. But it's all about our hearts. Now I want to 
I was going to share about, but I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. We often listen to people who come out of a situation where they were drug addicts or drug dealers or murderers and they came to Christ and they become pastors and you get that. There are a lot of those people all around the earth and that's radical. But some of us, like myself, grew up in a Christian home. But what was difficult for me, I was one of six children and some in this church know me very well because they're my family and they know my family very well and they will remember from their childhood days like there was this odd family out and it was my family. Why? Because when I was very small I felt rejected by my parents and my brothers and sisters. I was never good enough. I had to deal with that. And it was not easy because now lately I can tell you that from that brothers and sisters of mine and in-laws and whatever adjusted, we've got four theologians in the family and doctors and whatever. Very academical family. And when I was in primary school, my mum, which is now 69 or 96, I mentioned that a couple of times before, and she, by the way, I heard yesterday she wanted to buy a new car. So it's a bit of a... If you know my mother, you will know this is, this is uh, some problems coming. But in any case, my mum was one of those that had a thump on the kids. When I was in primary school, I was, uh, we were in a school like 32 kids, the whole school, school. From grade one to standard five that year. But I can tell you one thing we were very proud of. Frick de Prea was also in that school a couple of years before me. So that was a great school. Nowadays, it doesn't exist anymore. It's down, down very close to the Botswana border, in the bushes. But my mother had a thumb on us, and because of that, I was top of the class for, from grade one till standard five, um, which we were the great, biggest standard five class in that school's history, eight children. And because of that school, you were the top athlete and whatever top... We had to put one girl in our cricket team because we didn't have enough boys to play cricket, cricket match. That's where we grew up. And we went by, to school by bus. It was 30 miles those years. I don't know how many kilometers that is. About, what, 50, 50, 60, whatever, every day. And we didn't wear shoes. So in the morning, we, um, we were... When it was in the winter time, we were standing outside the gate waiting for the bus and we would put our feet in the cow dung to get our feet a little bit warmer. But that was all fun. But during that time, I, I always experienced, whether it's true or not, and that I, that's very important for us all to know, what I experienced was, was that I am not as good as my brothers and my sisters. Whether they thought it or not, but there were a couple of things afterwards. I remember um, my, my, my dad used to say to Ida after she married me, she, she said, 
well, I'm very glad you, the, you think he's good enough to get married to. And maybe, maybe. So it's because she's got the <laughs> I had to deal with that. So I had to find my space in the world. When I went to high school, it was a little bit free. We were in a hostel. The days of the long tikis, I don't know if any of the people here with that who came for the dedication was in a hostel some those years. I, I'm talking about the 70s. We had the long tiki where you called home and the tiki was like, it was called a tiki. It was just after the, it was changed to ran, from, ran, from, from the um, UK money system to the, to the rand system. But we had like, I think it was a two cent or something that you dialed home and whatever and they put like a, a string onto the, the tiki, put it into the dialing box and pull it out again and, and that's how we made extra time to call home. We, we were allowed to go home once every third month. So the rest of the time you stay in the hostel. But with that, there was some kind of discipline in the hostel, but it was not my mum. So was, there was nobody, they, you had to sit in the study room, yes, and you need to look busy, but we played darts and we did all kinds of funny things and I learned to do that. When I was in matric, no, just before matric, I think it was a standard nine, was it grade 11 nowadays? I remember my dad once said to me, he came to school and he wanted to talk about, uh, to the headmaster about my marks and all of that because he wanted to find out what's wrong. And the headmaster said to him, well, we know he's doing something wrong, we don't know what. Because, we, and, and I was one of the uh, children that was on the uh, student council, you know, it was, that was a group. So we were making fun of everything. But what was inside of me? I was that schoolboy that was making fun of everything. When the other guys, my, my mates at school, look at me, they would think, oh, you know, we need him because we need some fun. In my matric year, my first time I had an experience with, with, with Jesus was in Standard 7, that was in 1972. It was on a, on a weekend camp, what is a CS fear? in Africa in English, I don't know. So I had a vision of myself on a float in the middle of the sea, going nowhere. There's no hope. And it, it actually went past. And when I came in matric, uh, I went to this, this camp and, and um, the, uh, there was uh, Dr. Andries Goos, I don't know if some of you might remember him, some of the older people. He was a well-known preacher, minister, and he had a lot of these youth camps. And that, that weekend or week in that holiday, I, had a, I met Jesus. And I realized that I had a lot of pain that I need to deal with. It was not as a click of a finger and that's over. I had to go through a lot of things. 
in, in the rest of my life. And as I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm there. I'm still young. I still have a couple of years left, hopefully. I think I'm closer to, to going home than many of, many of the people here, but that's, that's a reality. And, and I think that also makes me realize and think more about these things. Realize that I need to deal with the things that I'm struggling with. And now I want to refer back to what is sin. I, I needed to understand that my pain because of my family is not because of what they're doing wrong. And that's what I learned of that camp in, when I was in Matric, 18 years old. And I realized that I don't know Jesus. I still battled after that. That, that time I gave, my, I gave my life to Jesus. In 19, that was 74. I went to university. I met Ida here. And I um, remember once, you know, um, I, told, I mentioned to you before, um, I know what it is to live with a wife with depression and OCD. I know what it is. And she knows what it is to live with somebody that hasn't got it. So, and we're constantly learning. And I can, I can the first time she, we had a little bit of an argument, I can take you to the exact spot on the campus behind us. It's about this direction. I, I can take you now to the exact spot where I said to her, my Afrikaans words to her was, Je is net bevoetert. And then she laughed. Can you remember that? Yeah. Then we got married and things sometimes went a bit difficult. We shared about it last time. And that's where my father said to her, he's glad that she thinks I'm good enough to get married to and I'm happy. I'm glad that she, that she decided in that stage, although she didn't really love me at that point. We mentioned that before as well. I was in the, I was in the position, I, was, uh, I mentioned it last time as well, I convinced her that she loved me. And for the guys in this church, uh, it's not a good idea. If you're not married, don't try and convince the woman that she loves you. There are other ways. Come and talk to me afterwards if you want to. I'll tell you a lot. Because when we were married, I, I understand more. And I realized there are other ways. And while I'm on that topic, forgive me for saying this in between, but if we as men don't understand that women, by average, is driven by emotions you're going to have serious problems for the rest of your life. But on the other hand, if you as women don't understand that men is driven by what they see and what they, in general, you also have problems. And I'm going to throw this in as well. If, you, if you're in a marriage, we always, we, all of us say we know it's 100%, 100%. But do you know what that 100% means? Practical. Practical means 
and I've, I can give you many examples. I'm just thinking of the right one. Because Ida can say to me, or I can say something to her, and I can feel she is unreasonable, emotional. What is my 100%? My 100% will be keep quiet, look at myself, and this will come up in the next slide. Look at myself in my marriage, in my relationship, and look at, don't, isn't there maybe the log in my eye? Didn't I do something that triggered her? But trigger her emotions. I don't understand her. I need to get to that point where I understand my soulmate. Now I want to carry on with, there's a lot, of more, lot more things that I can share with you about my own experiences in my life and where, we, where it come from and where did I go and all of that. But I want, to, I want to get to the point where we need to think where we stand and where and we, we, where we are, all of us. I had to understand that God made me exactly who I am. With my emotions, I have no, no reason to impress anybody on this earth. But, if I know Jesus, what will come out of my heart the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. What will happen? I will care about others. That's one of our other core focuses. Care, people to care for, people to love. If I have a relationship with Jesus, the fruit will come out of my life. Jesus said somewhere in, this, in the New Testament that the the tree will be known by its fruit. Am I right? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, is the fruit that I need to bear on a daily basis. That the world can see who I am, where I come from. But because of the pressures of this world, we sometimes forget that. We focus on our work, we focus on our studies, we want to do more, we want to improve people. And I... Again, I don't say it's wrong, but you get people who've got a first degree, a second degree, a third, and a fourth, and five, and they get as many degrees as they can. Why? If they really want that, if God tells you to do that, then you need to do it. You can't not do it if God tells you not to do it, if God tells you to do it. But if you do it to improve, impress your family, you're on the wrong path. If you do it because you want to impress anybody on this earth, you're on the wrong path. The same with my work. Same with whatever I do. And I, I learned that through the years, through being married to a wife that's brutally honest. I can tell you that. My children will know that. I mean, brutally honest to herself and to the family, everybody around her. Sometimes it, it doesn't come over that nice. We need to stay calm. But the truth is, I need to listen to that and look at my own heart and say, and really ask God to show me, is she not maybe right in what she's saying? 
I've learned to forgive. I've learned not to judge. I've learned to look for a log in my own eye. I, I learned to talk to, to God. You know, I, I, I personally prefer talking to God, calling it talking to God than prayer, but it's actually the same thing. I, I, I talk and, and I listen. And how often do I, or do you get people, and I'm thinking of um, the Pharisee that was standing on the corner of the street praying, and he said, thank you, I'm not like the other guy. We need, to, we need to get to that space, and I need to get to that space, and I pray to God that he will give me the sensitivity to be at that space where I can say, I don't look at what the others do. It's easy to say, I'm not going to that prayer group because they pray so much, I don't get a chance to pray. Or that one prays so much, he's just trying to, to minister to, to people instead of praying. There might be people who do that. I know a person who do that. And Janetta and Philip and Joss and I will know <coughs> what I'm talking about. I, I've, we've got somebody in the family that went to a church and the, the leader at the church asked him not to talk anymore because he's talking a lot of things that differ from what they believe. And he was really proud when he told me, but then I start praying in the church because nobody can, can stop me from praying. So what did he do with his prayer? He was trying to, to preach to people instead of talking to God, instead of praying to God. Also waiting on God. Waiting on God means... And you know what? If you look at this, if you look at that slide, every one of those points can actually become a whole sermon on its own. Because there's a lot to say about anything. I just want to highlight a couple of things that happened in my life, and I can tell you, I had to learn to wait on God. If I land in a difficult situation, I can promise you I have been in a lot of difficult situations because of my own stupidity, because of situations I, become, I, I came into, because of other people. It might be various reasons, but I've been in a lot of very difficult situations. I've learned to pray and wait on God. Am I there? Will I break that rule, if I can call it that way? Maybe I will. None of us are at that point, and I think the scripture will tell you, none of us are at that point. We can, we can say we will never, never do a specific sin again. We fall back. Why? Because it's our own fault, not because of God. Because we don't stay on our knees in front of God. Before God, listening to Him and be obedient. Be, be obedient to basic things in the Scripture. Run to Jesus. There's nobody on earth that can, that can solve your problems as Jesus can. We sang it this morning. That was in one of the songs. Nobody on this earth, nobody in the universe can solve your problem like Jesus do. But we need to run to Jesus. Cast your burdens 
upon Jesus. That's the scripture, am I right? And he will care for you. He will. But we need to learn to go to Jesus. The, the next slide is also a couple of points. You can, if you have a camera and you have it on, on um, flight mode, take a couple of... I have a thing about technology. I'm working in technology every day, but you know I've, big, I've got a big problem with technology. But that, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that is important points with that scriptures. You can go and read them. Because otherwise we're going to run out of time. If I read all that scriptures and all that. But have a look at that. God has set me free. God has given me identity. I am alive because of Jesus. I have hope because of Jesus. With all those scriptures. I'm a masterpiece. I'm made exactly the, the way God may, wanted to make me. I'm righteous because of Him. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the, and, the, and the next part, I'm actually very, I've got, I've got 15 minutes about to go, I think. Will that be okay, Philip? Okay. Is... I'm reading this, the next, I'm reading this the way, almost, the Christians in the first 1,200 years after Christ read the Bible. Did you know there was no verses and chapters in the Bible? It was only letters. About, about, 1,200 years after Christ, the first, by, the first verses came, came into the Bible. That's where they made it so that we can search easier, whatever. But I do think a lot of the value goes out. I've, I've, I've taken this, and this is the letter to Romans. So you will, and I, and I, and I took a, um, a translation, and by the way, you know that there are about 900 English translations alone. They estimate about 2,000, 2,000 between two, but they don't know exactly, but between two and 3,000 different translations of the Bible worldwide in all the different languages, but in English alone we've got about 900 different translations. So I'm, I, I took one here that I think most of us don't, don't often read. It's a, more like a basic English one. The Holy Spirit, and I'm also not going to read the whole part. I'll tell you afterwards. Some of you will know where it comes from, which chapter. Some might not. If it was me, I would say, yes, I've read it, but I won't know exactly which chapter because I don't focus on that that much. But I'm going to read the parts that I highlighted because that is part of what I wanted to say, but you can scan through those as I read. The Holy Spirit will give you life that comes from Christ Jesus and will set you free from sin and death. And he will set you free from more than sin and death. He will set you free from stress, from anxiety, from sickness, from whatever. Do we believe he can? Of course he can. The next page. But Christ lives in you, so you are alive because God has accepted you. 
even though your bodies must die because of your sins. Yet, God raised Jesus to life. God's Spirit now lives in you, and He will raise you to life by His Spirit. Seeking Jesus, that's what we need to do. Then this is happening in our Must I shout? Okay, not anymore. Okay. God's Spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of Him. Instead, we become His children and call Him our Father. God's Spirit makes us sure that we are His children. His Spirit lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what God has promised. We will also share in the glory of Christ because we suffered with Him. I am sure that we, what we are suffering now cannot compare with the glory that, we will, that will be shown to us. We know that all creation is still groaning and is in pain, like a woman about to give birth. The Spirit makes us sure about what we will be in the future, but now we groan silently while we wait for God to show that we are His children. This means that our bodies will also be set free. We've got something to look forward to. We've got hope. But if we look, if we think back to this beginning of the beginning slides, we battle with the things that the Satan throw in our face every day. Then we don't focus on this. This is from God. So we can underneath all of this say, the editor, God. Do we believe it? It's from God. It's His Word. And this hope is what saves us. But if we already have what we hope for, there is no need to keep on hoping. However, we hope for something we have not yet seen, and we patiently wait for it. In certain ways we are weak, but the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what we pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. All of our thoughts are known to God. He can understand what is in the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit prays for His people. The one thing that I've learned in my life is that wherever I'm driving, if I'm in a meeting somewhere, if I do anything, I can talk to God. I don't need to go to a silent place. I can talk to God wherever I am. And He listens to me. I can tell you many stories. And He has always known who His chosen ones would be. This is not underlined on the, on the screen. It's the next screen. Slide 15. But I want to read this because this is very crucial. And He has always known who His chosen ones would be. He had decided to let them become like His own Son. I'm going to read that again. He had decided to let them become like His own Son. Who is that? That's us. Jesus decided us to become like His own Son. So that His Son would be the first of many children. Paul said, Follow me as I follow Jesus. The question I ask myself often is, can I say to people, follow me? as I follow Paul, as Paul followed Jesus. Can I do that? I'm asking that to myself every day. And I think we must never stop doing that. My personal opinion. If we become like Jesus, 
will we gossip? If we become like Jesus, will we worry? If we become like Jesus, will we be anxious? Will we be jealous? Will we envy others? What will be in my heart when I become like Jesus? And what prevents me from being like Jesus? I'm going to skip slide 16. I want to go on to, if you can go on to slide 18. Resist the devil. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to 9. Why must we resist the devil? I myself often speak about this. There are two sides of, of being obedient to God. The one is leave out, these, resist the Satan, resist him with all your might. I think Paul writes and he said, we must run the race with our eyes focused on the end and not get tired. And how will we not get tired? Study the scripture, seeking Jesus, staying at his feet. Be sober, be vigilant, be, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 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 I think. Is that the right pronunciation? Devour, devour. Thank you. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We are all in the same situation. We are all basically the same issues we have. Look around you every day in church and you look at people and you look at, them, at, at somebody, you know, and say, they, that person never has a problem. I wish I was so confident like that one. I wish I was so happy like that one or whatever. I can promise you, in between us, if you go and talk to every one of us sitting here, we have problems. Am I right? Is there anybody here without a single problem? I see somebody, some people smile at me. It's the truth. Because we battle with, even if it's the Mark 4, let's read that. This is what we battle with. What the farmer, and I'm reading it at the same, in the same version, the next slide 19. What the farmer is spreading is really the message about the kingdom. The seeds that fell along the road are the people who hear the message, but Satan soon comes and snatches it away from them. The seeds that fell on rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it right away. But they don't have any roots. Did you see my picture of the tree? My roots must be in Jesus. Then I can stand. But if my roots are not in Jesus, I won't stand, whatever it is. And they don't last very long. As soon as life gets hard and the message gets to, them in, gets to them in trouble, they give up. The roots are not strong. The roots are not in Jesus. 
Why do we go to church? Why do we go to small group to encourage each other, to say to each other, don't get tired? Why don't we go, all of us go to a mon- first Monday prayer? I would love to see that place too small for all the people coming for the first Monday prayer that we have to move to the, to the wall and we pray and we come before God and we change our lives. And saying that, I hope I see everybody on the, on the family camp. Make a commitment. Make a commitment. How committed are we to walk the way, to run the race every day? If I pray with somebody of, with a problem I have, with the issue I have, with some guidance I need, I need to make a job decision or whatever, um, Do I pray once and then it's done? If you come and pray with me, tomorrow I forgot that you prayed for me, for, with, that I prayed for you. Do I do that or do I keep on? Do I follow up? Do I make sure? But it's not something where you can do if your heart is not right. So again, we need to seek Jesus that he can change our hearts. That we, be, that we become that people who cares about people, that who loves people, that wants to help people. We're not in competition in a, in a church. But they start worrying about the needs of this life. The pleasures and the worries is another translation. That refers back to my slides in the beginning. The pleasures and the worries of this life makes us get tired, makes us lose our focus, makes us not to focus on Jesus. The seeds that fell on good ground are the people who hear and welcome the message. What do they do? They produce 30 and 60 or even 100 times as much as was planted. I'm asking myself about my own life. Am I producing 30 or 60 or 100 times more that was planted in my life? And I think we need to do that all the time. As we close, I've got two slides to go. The, the, the band can maybe just go and prepare. I'm, my question that I ask myself, and that is the next slide, slide 21. Why can't we find fulfillment in ourselves? For the simple reason. You as a human being can't fulfill or get fulfillment in yourself because you're a sinful person, all of us. We are saved and we are made holy by Christ, yes but we still are human beings. We strive to become like Jesus. And how committed are we to strive to become like Jesus? Because we were created to reflect the glory of God. Since the main goal in seeking an identity outside of Christ is to bring glory to ourselves. If we bring glory to ourselves, we effectively, and this is my statement, we effectively bring glory to Satan. Because there are only two ways. It's either you, you serve God or you serve Satan. There's only two ways. 
So if I, if I can't say I'm serving God with whatever I have, if I serve myself, I'm on the wrong path. If I'm trying to get acknowledgement from the world, I'm trying to keep the world happy. The last slide I have, that is a couple of things apart from, from Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. This is some practical things, how my life will change. If I know Jesus, if I have a relationship with Jesus, we no longer chase after desires of our flesh, but instead seek to bring God glory in all areas of our life. All areas of our life. What is the most important in my life? Am I serving God? Or am I trying to get myself out of financial trouble? Or am I so trying to get more and more and more qualifications because of the qualifications or improve or impress people? Or because God told me that? We no longer fear the future. We have no need to judge or compare ourselves to others. Why? Because we know my value is in Christ. No matter what people say or do or whatever to me, my value is in Christ. They can say what they want. But, I refer again to the other values. We will love people. We should not be surprised when suffering comes, but we can be confident that will produce things of eternal value. My question to us today, myself included, am I committed to say I'll seek Jesus with all that I have? Have I been changed by Christ? Have I been changed every time I hear the word, every time I spend time with Him? I have my quiet time. Sometimes God will allow things to happen because we don't listen to Him, listen to him or don't obey Him. He will allow you to get something and then he take it away. He, will, he can do that. So we don't look at people and say, that one battles with this, that one battles with this. I'm looking at myself and saying, I am battling with this and that. I might have to change. We are not, Christians are not like chameleons. You know what a chameleon is? Chameleon adopts according to the situation. You can find him in one place and he looks like that plant, and then you find him in another and he looks like. Christians change all the time, but we're not chameleons. We know where we roots are. And I need to know where my roots are, and I need to live according to that. So, if you have anything that you feel you need to be prayed for a battle, some emotional thing, some financial thing, some issues that you know you need to prove people. You, need, you, you know you're not there. You can be a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, 1 year, 2 days. doesn't matter. You can battle with these things. You can come forward that somebody will pray for you. And I've said that many times before. Nobody, nobody of us is too good to be prayed for. Father, I, I want 
to ask you that you just touch our hearts. That you change my life. That I will be truly, truly obedient to what you tell me to do. No matter what people think. And to accept that you made me the way you made me. Who I am is what you made me. The, the skills, the knowledge, the experience I go through. Nothing, nothing is by accident. You are in control. And I just pray that we will be open to hear your word and to listen to you and be obedient. And to realize we need our brothers and sisters. We can't do this on our own. We can't run the battle, run the race, fight the battle. We need you in the first place, but we need also our brothers and sisters to help us to encourage each other, to reprimand each other where necessary, where it's needed. But that we can follow you with a pure heart. Amen. I, I think there's some things outside of what, Philip? Maybe you want to share a quicker one. There's coffee and tea outside and there's some eats for just a celebration for the baby that we've dedicated this morning. So if you need to go, thanks so much for joining us. I want to reiterate what Um Anton said. If you need prayer, step forward. We really would love to pray with you. If you just want to dwell where you are for a moment and, and speak to God, pray, spend some time just in song with the team, you're welcome to do that as well. So thanks so much for your time this morning. Bless you. Have a fantastic Sunday. And remember, leaders, we'll be back here in about 20 minutes or so for our leaders' meeting. Bless you guys all. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.